I could get used to that. My only challenge is that when you have great music every Sunday, nobody wants to hear you preach because they want to hear the music. So it's sort of a, it's sort of a, uh, uh, a catch-22, but I love it. And I think Dr. Paul Peake, maybe you knew, maybe you didn't, that that is uh, Pastor Ben's dad. And uh, Dr. Paul Peake, and uh, what a blessing he has been, and that team has been here all day since about 7 o'clock this morning. And so uh, we're blessed that uh, they were committed to that. Looking forward to a great uh, month. Turn in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And I want to begin by asking you a simple question that is somewhat probing. And this is the question, what is your biggest problem? I want you to think about the thing that you pray about the most. What is your biggest problem? Let me ask you this. How far back does it go? A year? Five years? Ten years? Twenty-five years? How far back? What is your biggest problem? What if Christmas was the answer to your biggest prayer? And I know that sounds a little childish because in some ways children believe that Christmas is the answer to their biggest prayer, right? Because, man, when Christmas gets here, I get what I want. God is good. Life is good. My life will be perfect. Just get that new gadget. I remember those days. Wasn't that a great time uh, when life was that simple? And then it broke in January. <clears throat> hey, you always got next year. It was good, man. Life. But when, you're, when you mature, you realize that December comes and goes and and, and, and Christmas can be almost a hassle. And it goes by fast. And you kind of have it on a different perspective. But I want to I ask you a question. What if Christmas is the answer to your biggest prayer? What if something about Christmas could somehow interject itself into the deepest, darkest place in your life and change it? The medical doctor, Luke, who wrote Luke and the book of Acts, he was an historian. He said in Luke chapter 1, the first couple verses, he said, there were many that were writing about Jesus, and so I set out to write an orderly account of the things of Jesus so that you, O Theophilus, who he was writing to, would be certain when you hear these things about Jesus. You can be certain. And we know that Luke was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I want to go to the very beginning of the Christmas story. Actually, not like Old Testament beginning, like prophetic beginning. I'm I'm talking about in the New Testament. I want to go to the very first event that really kind of got this whole Christmas ball rolling. Because that's where Luke, who's trying to give an orderly, detailed account, begins. It's a story of two people related to Jesus that you're familiar with, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's read it beginning in chapter 1, verse 5 of Luke's Gospel. Notice the specificity and the detail he gives us in these, in these verses. In the days of Herod, he places it on a historical timeline. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah, And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. Do you see the detail and the specificity? We'll mention that in a moment. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Luke is going into great detail. He's not just saying, oh, no, hey, Zachariah was hanging down at church and went in there to do some stuff. He gives us real detail. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, which was morning and evening. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. What an interesting story. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's get to know them for a minute. Luke gives us a very impressive introduction to this couple. He gives us their history. He gives us their character. He gives us their problem. He gives us their faithfulness. As I mentioned a moment ago, he tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were serving the Lord and they were doing it in the times of Herod, this, this uh, king, this ruler over Israel. He was, a, he was from Rome, appointed from Rome to rule this part of the world. He had Actually, the Herod that had rebuilt the temple sometime before this. And he's the Herod that, that was in, when Jesus was born and decreed that, that babies would be, baby boys under two years of age should be exterminated. And, and this is Herod, and it was the time of, uh, of Herod that Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are now old, are living He tells us that Zechariah was a priest. That meant that Zechariah was of the lineage of Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron. Moses was given the executive leadership responsibility, and Aaron was the chaplain. Uh, That's a nice way of saying Aaron was put over the priesthood. And so the the sons of Aaron were were, uh, uh, the priests of Israel. So for many, 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 many generations now, there had been priests. Actually, they had multiplied so greatly that in the time of King David... King David took the priest and he divided him into 24 divisions. Aren't you glad you came to church to learn this this morning? He t- D- David, in 1 Chronicles 24, you can read about it if you're so th- enthralled. But David divided the, the, the priest into 24 divisions because they had multiplied. And, he, and, and, and Zechariah, Luke tells us, was of the 8th division, which was the division of Abiah. And they, they, they worked in the temple on a rotation. And it came his rotation to work in the temple. And when they got to their rotation, they had so many in the group that they would cast lots to decide who was going to do what that day. And the lot fell upon Zechariah this day to go into the, to the whole, to holy place, not the holiest of holies, but the holy place where there was an altar where they burned incense. He was going for the evening incense burning. 
His wife was also a daughter of Aaron, it says. She was a preacher's kid. And so both Aaron and Zachariah, I mean, Zachariah and Elizabeth were descendants of Aaron. They weren't related in the sense because it had been hundreds, even thousands of years that this had been going on. So there was no, they weren't intermarried, but they were both descendants of the priestly line. He tells us something about their character in these verses. These were really good people. Zechariah and Elizabeth, he says they were righteous before the Lord. In other words, they were, they were good from the inside out. They weren't just righteous in the fact that they put a robe on, went to church, lit a candle, did what they were supposed to do, went home and took the robe off and acted terrible. No, these were, these were people that were righteous before the Lord, he said in verse 6. Can I just stop for a moment and say I'm really glad that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God can take a person and clean them from the inside out. He's able to do that. Nobody likes phony baloney, good time rock and roll Christianity. Somebody say amen, right? Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were true blue. He says they were righteous before the Lord. I mean, it's one thing for you to think I'm spiritual. It's another thing for God to say you're righteous. This is pre the cross. This is pre Pentecost, pre the Holy Spirit being poured out as he was on the day. This was, this was men and women that were just walking by faith. And we'll talk about how deeply they were walking by faith. But not only were they righteous before the Lord, Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says, walked blamelessly in all the statutes and commandments of the Lord. They were publicly faithful to God in all the duties of religion that were known to them. They were diligent in walking. So they were not only right before God, but they were good amongst other people. These were really good people. They were old people. It says that they were advanced in years. We don't know exactly how old, maybe 80. Someone said 88, 89. I don't know how you know that exactly. But they were advanced in years. Really good, salt of the earth. These are the kind of people you want in your neighborhood. They stood right before the Lord. They walked honorably amongst other people. Can I just stop here and say that I'm glad that God doesn't just do a spiritual work on the inside, but he can change our behavior on the outside. Amen. This was Zachariah and Elizabeth. They served the Lord faithfully. But in verse 7, we are introduced to their problem. In spite of their position in the temple, in spite of their relationship to the priestly line, in spite of their faithfulness to God, they had a lifelong personal battle that they couldn't get over. They had no children. Many, many, many times, I'm sure, Zachariah and Elizabeth had cried themselves to sleep over the disaster that was theirs, that they didn't have any kids. They had, gone, they had been married. They had gone through those early years of marriage. They had gone through midlife. And now it says they were advanced in years beyond the possibility. They had, they, had, they had worn this like a heavy yoke. Sorrow had been their coat when it came to this. They had a personal problem. In that day, to not have a son to carry on your family would, would meant that your family line was ending. For a woman not to be able to bear children, it was a reproach. It was, it was a heavy, I, I'm, I'm certain, I'm certain that, that Zachariah and Elizabeth being righteous before God and walking blamelessly among the people, I'm certain if you run into Zachariah and Elizabeth that they were gracious and humble and godly people. But I'm sure when the door closed at night when they went in their house, many times they sat in their own abode and they wept with one another. 
over this problem. They didn't, have, they didn't just have a personal problem. They had a professional problem. You say, what do you mean by that? He was a priest. He'd, he was in his 80s. He'd been doing this a long time. Not once, not once in his whole ministry had the Lord given them a supernatural visitation. As a matter of fact, it had been 400 years since God had spoken supernaturally to the people of Israel. Since the days of Malachi, there had been silence. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a pastor. And if it weren't for the visitation and the blessing of God upon what we were doing, I don't know how I could stay in this thing. Next Sunday, by the grace of God, we're going to have a baptistry up here. We're also going to have some graffiti. I think somebody mentioned that. Don't freak out. Just come. But we're going to have a baptistry. We're going to baptize some people next Sunday who have been redeemed by the supernatural power of God. God has visited us and redeemed them out of their sin. Hallelujah. But, but Zechariah had pastored for 50, 60, 70 years, and he had none of that. It was a different day, different time, but figuratively speaking, Zechariah didn't have any baptisms. He never had anybody seek the Lord. He never saw anything supernatural. Since the days of Malachi, the people of Israel, there had been a, there had been a, there had been a providential silence in the nation of Israel. That's a problem. Amen? Anybody here ever walk through a period of your life where you feel like, I just don't hear anything? I don't sense anything? I don't know anything? God, where are you? This was their lot. And as a priest, as a man who gave himself to the work of the Lord, undoubtedly, Zechariah would pull up the Old Testament and he would read about the stories and he would see how God appeared to Moses in a, in a burning bush. And he would say, oh God, will you visit your people once again? But his granddad, his great-granddad, going back for generation after generation after generation, no one had ever seen it. He had a spiritual problem. You see, their spiritual problem was 4,000 years old. Since the beginning of time, God's people had been marked with this yearning for a Messiah. And for 4,000 years, they had waited and longed. Every generation had grown up with an expectation that maybe this is the generation. Maybe in my lifetime, we, the people of God, he promised in the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, he promised he's going to send a deliverer. He's going to have someone who's going to rule. Isaiah wrote about it. Jeremiah wrote about it. Ezekiel wrote about it. The psalmist David wrote about it. We're going to have another ruler. He's going to send somebody. For 4,000 years, the people of God had a yearning in their heart for a Messiah. But he never came. And Zechariah has now grown up in the priestly home. He became a priest himself. Every day, every week, every month, every year would pass. He would go through his priestly duties. No visitation from the Lord. No Messiah. No son. No visitation from the Lord. No Messiah. No son. No visitation from the Lord. No Messiah. No son. It speaks to me of the depth of his faith 
to rem- all he had was the Old Testament word of God, and he was walking blamelessly before the Lord and blamelessly before other people because he never wavered in his faith in what God had said. How long do I have to go without hearing from God before I say, God, I quit? I want to tell you something. I want to be like Zechariah. I want to be like Zechariah. He was faithful. It speaks to the depth of their faith in God that they were never getting any response. They had this own personal battle that they had dealt with. They had this messianic hope that had marked their people since the beginning of time. And yet they remained faithful. Verse 8 and 9 are sort of ordinarily routine in the way they write. Listen to what he said in verses 8. With that as the understanding, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty. Doesn't that sound ordinary? Just another day, doing his thing. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Just another day, just another day of being faithful. Just another day of doing what I've always known to be right and true. Just another day of obeying the word of God. Just another day to seek the face of God. No son, no, no prophet, no Messiah. No son, no prophet, no Messiah. But I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do. I want to tell you something, oh, friends. We need a baptism of faithfulness of God in our life. Amen. But what I love about this story is although the problem had become their reproach, they got an unexpected visitation. They got an unexpected visitation from the Lord. In an instant. He had never seen it. His seminary professors had never seen it. They had never even written about it. They didn't even know what it was. But in an instant, he goes to the Lord in prayer. And when he goes to the Lord in prayer, standing on the north side of the altar of incense is an angel of the Lord. The first time in 400 years. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that makes me want to keep on going to the altar of incense. Amen. It makes me want to stay faithful and true to the word of God and the truth of God. And to be walking blamelessly before the Lord and to be walking in all that I know that God has for me. I just want to stay walking faithful, stay obedient, stay humble, stay, stay in the word. You know what, I, I, I can't say that my problems are as big as his. We've got Jesus Christ who's been sent into the world. He is the express image of God. He has sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts. Yeah. Hallelujah. And yet sometimes life, the problems of life, the battles of life weigh us down. And we, we, we find it difficult to remain faithful in the service of the Lord. And we find it difficult to remain faithful to the place of prayer. But it was in that moment of faithfulness, that ordinary moment of faithfulness, in that ordinary moment of worship, that God instantly changed everything. In one ordinary instance, God changed it all. An angel appeared to him. He was troubled. Of course he was troubled. This was epically Old Testament. He had never seen anything. No one he knew, no one that he knew who knew who knew anybody had ever seen anything like this. Fear fell upon him. Can I just say this morning to remain faithful to God and remain faithful in prayer because it just takes God one little second. 
And can I tell somebody who came here this morning, maybe you're sitting in the chapel or you're watching online, but you need to hear this because you came like a guy in the last service who came crying to me at the end of the service and he said, you know how close I was to giving up? And somebody's here this morning, you're thinking about, I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm not sure God really cares. I'm not sure God is really in. I want to tell you something. What God has spoken, God will do, and he'll do it in his time. Remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to God. The unexpected visitation and an instantaneous answer for Zechariah and Elizabeth showed up. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Listen, listen to this. He had, been, he had probably started taking some of these prayers for granted at some point. He was human. But all along, God was keeping record. And God said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. In an instant. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John. Now, we're not going to go on into this story because at first he was human. He said, I don't believe it. And he, had, he couldn't speak for a little while because God said, all right, well, you, you don't believe me. But, but I want to tell you something. In a moment, in a moment, God can answer your prayer and God can change everything. Did you know in a moment, in a moment, with the, with the promise of his son, God was answering every prayer that Zachariah had ever prayed. Did you know what he said? He said, you're going to have a son. Oh, that's wonderful. Problem number one, check. And your son is going to be of the spirit and, uh, and the power of Elijah. Oh, a prophet. This is the first prophet in 400 years. We got us a prophet, check. And your prophet's son is going to make way for the Messiah who's going to come right on his heels. Wow, we've been waiting 4,000 years. So he's, in one moment, God answered every prayer he had ever prayed. In one moment. In a moment of time, God appeared to them and answered their prayer. He said, he said to Zechariah, the first thing he said to Zechariah after he said, you're going to have a son, is he said, you will have joy and gladness. Somehow God knew that their life had been filled with sorrow and grief and regret and heartache and pain. And they had gone on. They had been faithful. They had stayed true to the Lord. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to change your cloak from sorrow and I'm going to have you, give you joy and gladness. Some of you here this morning, some of you watching online or in the chapel, some of you may have cried yourself to sleep last night. Did you know that God is still in the business of changing your mourning into dancing? Into your sorrow, into joy. He will give you joy. How long it had been for Zachariah and Elizabeth? How long since they had had joy? You will have a prophet. You will have impact. I said a moment ago he had pastored that church, so to speak. He had pastored that church his whole life with really no great power. As a matter of fact, here's the, here's the battle that had happened. In the 400 years between the Old Testament, Book of Malachi, and the New Testament, in that 400-year span, with about 150 years before Christ, the Jews and the Jewish religion began to fragment. And it was about 150 years before Christ that the Pharisees came up, the Sadducees came up, the Essenes came up, and then the Pharisees split, and they had some Galilean group off of them, and then the Sadducees split, and they had a Herodian group off of them, and the Essenes split, and they were splitting and splintering and fighting and feuding and all amongst themselves. You want to know something? I just learned, I just believe this with all my heart, rather, when I was studying this, and I, I shared this yesterday with someone, that the further we get from the power of God, the more likely we are to fight with one another. But one fresh glimpse of the power of God tears down walls in the kingdom of God. 
You show me a church that's pointing fingers and excluding people and isolating, being rude and selfish and self-centered and territorial, and I'll show you a church God ain't been to in a while. You show me a church where God is working, God is showing up, and I'll show you a place that's reaching out and putting their arms around people and bringing them into the kingdom. This is what happened. He said, he said, to, he said to Isaiah, I'm going to give you supernatural. And many of the children of Israel will turn to the Lord their God. This was Isaiah's dream. As a priest who was right with the Lord and followed the commandments of the Lord, he watched the Pharisees and said, oh, what hypocrisy. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, which would make you sad, you see. Now you'll never forget that, will you? That's compliments of Henry Leeler, my professor in college. The Essenes had their unique view, and his heart ached because nobody's heart was really focused on the Lord. And this is what the Lord said, as a pastor, I'm going to answer your prayer, uh, Zechariah. Your son is going to preach, and many of the children of Israel will turn to the Lord their God. What, a, what, a, what an answer to prayer in one moment. One ordinary moment of faithfulness and prayer, God changed everything. He said, you will have impact, you will have unity, the hearts of the fathers will turn to their children. It was a reference to all the infighting amongst the Jewish religion. And he said, you know what, I'm going to send your son, he's going to prepare the way of the Lord, and people are going to start looking to Jesus, and they're going to be drawn to, to Christ, and they're going to be unified with one another. And you will have a Savior, he will prepare the way of the Lord. This was a divine visitation for Zechariah. He had never experienced this. He was going to get his son. The spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah would be upon him, which meant his son would be a prophet. And his son would prepare the way of the Lord, the long-awaited Messiah. And in one ordinary moment of faithful worship and prayer, God changed everything. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Let me give you this as the, as the musicians come. Faithfulness to God is always rewarded in God's time. Faithfulness to God is always, everybody say always, always. is always rewarded in God's time. In God's time. God is longing to visit and provide for His people. God cares deeply about your problem. What I mentioned a moment ago, then I ask you that question, what is your... God cares deeply about your problem. God cares, cares very deeply about that. Prayer always produces a fresh revelation of God. Stay on your face before God. Well, God doesn't hear my prayer. How long has it been? Six months? Six years? Try 4,000. He does hear his prayer. The, first, the, the angel showed up to Zechariah and said, Hey, we've been keeping track of that in heaven. You've been what? Yeah, we heard your prayer. God hears your prayer. A fr prayer is the key to a fresh revelation of God. And Jesus truly is the answer to every longing of our heart. The reality is that Jesus came. He came into a broken, sinful, messed up world. And there's not a person in this room, anywhere in this world, there's not a person that's not affected right now by the broken, sinful craziness of this world. But this is where Christ came. This is where Christ came. He came into a broken, fallen, sinful world. 
You say, Pastor Troy, he can't fix what I've got. It's, it's beyond hope. Well, in your frame of mind, it might feel like it's beyond hope. But can I tell you that the promised Messiah can bring joy and hope and unity and a future into your broken, sinful, despairing soul. If you say, Pastor Troy, I don't know. You know, my life is full of, I got new, there's a reason he came was to take the sin of people away. My life is full of bitterness. Did you know that Jesus has the supernatural power to cleanse you of bitterness and give you joy and gladness? Oh, Pastor Troy, you don't know what I've lost. I may not know what you've lost, but I know that Jesus can fill the deepest vacuum in any human heart. He can, he can fill it. Until we meet him face to face, he can fill that void in our life. Jesus brings, like John the Baptist, Jesus brings supernatural joy. He brings supernatural power. We will be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just as John the Baptist in his mother's womb, but he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He brings supernatural salvation. He can turn the hearts of people back to God. You know what we need? We don't need behavioral modification primarily. We need heart transformation primarily. Amen? And Jesus can do that. He can change us from the inside out. And He brings supernatural unity. He can turn what is broken and divided and unite it once again. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? How many of you would just say, Pastor Troy, I I need to pray. I need to be at the altar of incense this morning saying, God, I'm here again. Would you just raise your hand and say, I got something in my life. I just really need prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you out, nothing. I just need prayer this morning. God bless you, many hands in the chapel. God bless you. God bless you. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want, I want, to, I want to sing a little chorus from an old hymn. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I want to give you an invitation this morning if you're here and you just want to come to the front and say, I'm just coming as a, as a, a step of faith in God's direction to say, oh God, I'm crying out to you. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Maybe somebody here hasn't been walking faithfully with God and you're saying, Lord, I'm coming back to a place of repentance and saying, Lord, I'm going to walk faithfully with you. Maybe you're here just carrying a heavy burden like Zechariah and you're coming and saying, oh God, I need you in my life. I need you to help me with this battle that I've been fighting maybe for a year, maybe for 20 years. I need your help. And I can tell you in one moment of time, God can change everything. As Ben leads us in this simple chorus, would you come forward and we'll pray together. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.